0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know why I'm preaching after. I guess if you you need extra prayer time, you can pray for me. But so the last while, who've been talking? Who have we been talking about? It's on the screen. It's not a trick question. Yes, Abraham. So, but first, Sarah and I would like to thank you for how much you have interceded on behalf of us. We literally do think that your intervention, your prayers for us, has prolonged our boys staying inside my beautiful wife. So we thank you. And for if you're visiting today, I would ask that you just stay in your seat for an extra two minutes. That's all it's going to take. We're kind of a linger, longer type church. So if you want us to get to know you, just set a timer on your phone. Extra minute or two, we will get to know you. I promise somebody will find you. So... But we have been going through, through Genesis talking about Abraham. Jim has been telling us about this man who has had faith for his whole journey, but sometimes it, it waves a little bit, a little off kilter. And today we find ourselves in Genesis 18, and we are going to do some quick dendrology. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it's close. We're really, it's the study of trees, we're really just going to look at some. The first tree we're going to look at is this one. This is called the General Sherman, it's in California, and it stands 275 feet tall, it's 36 and a half feet wide, and somehow they figured out how much this tree weighs. I guess in California you can figure such things. So 2,472,000 pounds. If you were to look up facts about the redwoods or sequoias, you might come across the line, Trees of Majesty. Because of how crazy it is, God formed something from a seed smaller than a skill to something that would make a grain elevator look small. But I'm not the only one talking about trees. So is the Bible. When we look at the life of Abraham or in different places in the Old Testament, places with trees are often linked with something spiritually significant. In Genesis 13:18, it is by the trees of Mamre that Abraham built an altar to the Lord and first established his dwelling place in Israel. The second tree we are going to look at is this beauty. This, how beautiful is that, huh? This is supposedly the last oak of Mamre that fell in 2019. This picture was taken in 2008. This one makes it look a little bit more healthy. It was in 1912. This tree was also called the tree of Abraham, based off the scripture that we will be covering today, which no one is quite sure where the exact spot of the biblically referenced trees of Mamre is, But they have narrowed it down to three different spots near Hebron, each one of them in that little red circle. So begins our story, Genesis 18, 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant, very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sails of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Do that quick. It would take me Four years. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate. A little bit more than what he first promised. He stood near them under a tree. This is key. He stood near them under a tree like a waiter at a restaurant. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. This is the second time God has said this. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, God said, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) So Jim and I were talking about everything that you can, all the topics you could choose from these verses. So here we have Abraham and Sarah hosting three men. But in these verses, you could choose to talk about the importance of hospitality, that even Abraham displays the Eastern culture's hospitality to a T, even to the extent of waiting on these men, like when it says he waited under a tree, just like a waiter would at a restaurant. He goes above and beyond, and how we should also remember that even Paul... And 1 Timothy and Titus reminds us that hospitality is a trait of a godly person. But we're not going to talk about it. We could talk about angels, that these three men, these strangers, are spiritual beings in physical bodies. More than likely, one of them being God himself because of the way Abraham distinguishes him. And how that you may never know when you are entertaining angels, as Hebrews 13.2 says. But we're not going to talk about that either. That is what we could talk about. But what I want to talk about being a carpenter is those trees again. I'm just kidding. What I want to talk about is within God's answer question. What do I mean by saying answer question? Let's look at the verses 13 through 14 again. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you see it? First point I want to make, Abraham and Sarah both laughed on two separate occasions when God promised them a son. So in Genesis 17, which Jim preached on last week, Abraham laughs that God is actually going to bless them with a son. Genesis 18, what we're talking about, Sarah laughs that God is going to give them a son. They're old. So what is the son's name? Isaac. What does Isaac mean? He laughs. Thankfully, Abraham didn't have indigestion during that moment, and we know Isaac as Belchaz. He burps. So, second point, a little bit more serious. Abraham is a man of faith. who has had a lot of direct guidance from God, and him and his wife still doubt the fact that God is going to give them a son. But they don't turn away from God. This is key. They doubt. I had a professor in college once say, when you doubt, you still have to believe in something to doubt it. But they did not turn away. Don't let fear ruin your faith. Trust God through the doubt. So back to Abraham's tent. So Sarah laughs. God notices it. God asks about Sarah's doubt and provides an answer question being what? We know that Isaac will be born within a year. That is a physical answer to a promise and probably a lot of prayer. But what does God say first? What does he provide for an answer for Sarah and Abraham in the midst of their doubt? Is anything too hard for the Lord? When we read the Bible, sometimes it's easy for me to miss how much you really get to know a person. You remember a few weeks back when Jim talked about God with Abraham and he used this picture? Remember, it's the story when God's making the covenant with Abraham. Abraham takes animals, he splits them in half, he lies them on either side of the ravine. God walks through them, and it says in the scripture that Abraham had to scare away the vultures. Meaning, there was a significant amount of time between him doing this and God coming to actually make the covenant. Abraham had to wait Remember that through the entirety of Abraham's story, almost as if God's trying to teach Abraham something, Abraham does not understand how in the world, as he is getting older and older, God is going to fulfill his promise of having descendants as numerous as the sand on the shore or the stars in the sky. Abraham doesn't even have a child. Abraham had to wait. Then Abraham has a child with his wife's servant, Abraham is a man of faith who has had a lot of direct guidance from God, and him and his wife still, thought, still doubt the fact that God is going to give them a son, but they don't turn away from God, which is key. They trust through the doubt. Seems like an obvious, you shouldn't do that, but he did. He has a son with, with his wife's maidservant, and he is still ends up waiting. Don't let fear ruin your faith. Trust through the doubt. So here we are at Abraham's tent, where he is now physically waiting on God, like a waiter waiting. And God says that they will have a son at this time next year. And Sarah laughs to herself, and God says, what? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So this morning, I'm going to try to do something difficult. I'm going to try to put you in Abraham and Sarah's shoes, or I guess sandals, or boots. I don't know what they wore, probably sandals. After college, Sarah and I lived in Joplin, Missouri. Sarah was a children's pastor at the church we went to, and we got to know many people. But one of the men that I got to know, his name was Boyce Moten. Now, Boyce was a brilliant gentleman. He knew the Bible and the church like the back of his hand, and he gave me different books. He had written about Greek. I would ask him questions about sermons that I was trying to put together, and I eventually told, he eventually told me, and I got to know this because professors at the school would reference Boyce, that he hosted a TV program, and on that TV program, he once interviewed a man by the name of Dwayne Miller. So I'm going to try to sum up this 40-minute TV program in about three minutes. So bear with me. Dwayne Miller served on the staff at the First Baptist Church in Houston, a very, very large church. While being at the church, he was asked to fill in for a Sunday school teacher who became ill. He eventually led that Sunday school class for six years. Became almost a fellowship of itself. He was soon asked by a church in Brenham, Texas, to be the senior pastor. While there for not even four years, he caught just a regular flu virus that eventually turned into an infection in his throat. And after years and years of doctor and specialist visits, they could not explain how this infection left Dwayne almost unable to speak. His vocal cords, they were not stiff, they were not just, they were just hung limp. They weren't vibrating like they should, so it made Dwayne's voice, super difficult to understand and very labored. The only prognosis was that he would eventually become mute. Because of his condition, Dwayne resigned from the church in Brenham and moved back to Houston. Looking for a new job, now any job, he was in what he described as a pit. He started to attend his former church and Sunday school there in Houston. Again in the middle of the year, a Sunday school teacher left and the class of 200... A Sunday school class, asked Dwayne to fill in. Dwayne's like, well, I can barely talk. How are you guys going to understand me? But they're like, Dwayne, please just fill in. I'll try to send you a link or something in the email of, so you can watch the full episode. So Dwayne was finally convinced to fill in. And they found a lapel mic that when it rested on his lips and when Dwayne would yell at the top of his voice, you could kind of make out the words. Now, this was a Sunday school class where the curriculum had already been chosen seven years previous that had already been recorded regularly for the past about 15 years. But during one of his Sunday school lessons on Psalm 103, January 17th, 1993, while teaching on being in a pit, God did something. And I want you guys to listen. message or or lesson was caught on tape, and I want you to hear right now what God did in my life. First Baptist Church in Houston on January the 17th, 1993. Listen to this. Coming up right here. Because you have put God in the box both ways, and he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of mine diseases. In verse 4 he says, And he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pen to find ourselves in. I don't understand this right now. I'm... Do you believe that? Do you believe in the middle of that lesson when he says, experience experiences, that God intervened and healed his voice? Or maybe you feel like Abraham and Sarah. Maybe you laugh to yourself and you're like, yeah, right. Maybe it's not listening to some short clip this morning. Maybe it's one of your kids that you watch and you think, are they ever going to stop and turn their life and give it to Christ? And maybe they start to, but you're still almost in disbelief. But are you really living like Jesus? Maybe do you listen into that and you say, well, if that's true and God still does miracles and he still answers prayer and heals people, why hasn't he done that in my life to what I have planned or to my sickness? Why haven't I been healed from my sickness and my pain? Which, by the way, Jimmy, is way worse than just being unable to speak. Four things. Abraham had to wait 25 years until God's promise was fulfilled and Isaac is born. Dwayne Miller had to wait almost three years before he was healed and his life dramatically changed for the negative before that ever came. Some people aren't relieved of their earthly pain until they see God in heaven. Look at the lives of the disciples, specifically Paul. And lastly, don't let fear ruin your faith. Trust through the doubt is anything too hard for the Lord. But we have a principle to draw out in today's passage. Waiting. Waiting is hard enough when you are stuck in a construction zone on the road. New Highway 20 going into Sioux City. Patience is tried every time. Or your local pharmacy in Anthon, some of the people will feel this too, he, Randy Boyer just retired, so now we have to wait at city pharmacies. I did not realize time could be so slow. <laughs> or maybe your faith feels like this little guy, off the old Little Rascals program, still waiting. But what about when you have prayed and hoped for something to happen? For someone you love to come to know Jesus, for a friend's depression to disappear, for a wayward child to come back. The question, are you willing to wait? Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years between God first promising them a son to Isaac being born. But before their prayers and hopes were answered, God asked them, is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah and I are currently expecting twins, you know this. Two little boys, and they are already causing a little ruckus. We knew they'd be little bobcats, we just didn't realize how early. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, as some of you know, Sarah and I were in the hospital for a few days, being monitored for preterm labor. And through all the fear of our little boys wanting to come and only being 24 weeks old, I would already started doing some study for this sermon, reading the idea about, is anything too hard for the Lord? and drove it home so with our prayers and with your prayers which we thank you so much for we wait as god answers our prayers day by day and hope in god's answer's question is anything too hard for the lord don't let fear ruin your faith trust through the doubt There's another way to understand God's words as well. When God asks Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? The Hebrew word for hard can also be translated as wonderful. Shifting our thoughts of, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Well, no. Is anything too wonderful? Meaning whenever God does, has a basis of being great. You have wonderful, and then you have just super wonderful. Psalm 139.14, the text reads, I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Do you think Abraham's trust in God grew after 25 years of hearing God promise him a son and then Sarah becoming pregnant and giving birth to Isaac? I think it did. Jim will probably preach down the line. Hate to have a spoiler alert, but it will be. I am going to do it. How God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Isaac. And scripture tells of Abraham's faith being so great that when Abraham leaves with Isaac, he leaves his servants at the base of the mountain that he's about to sacrifice his son on. And when he leaves the servants, he tells the servants, we, he is pretty emphatic about it, we will return to you. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> Don't let your fear ruin your faith. Trust through the doubt. Remember this picture of this beautiful tree? As much as this tree served as a reminder of Abraham and and God's presence and promise to him, it also served as a reminder to visitors about this man. Jesus, who was nailed to a tree. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, meaning the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed you see abraham was promised a son and you have been promised eternal life for all that believe in this man jesus the bible talks about it in john how some people are starting to accuse jesus of having a demon and jesus answers that he does not have a demon rather he honors god and anyone who listens to jesus's words will never see death And the people reply, well, now we know you're nuts. Because even the father of the Jews, Abraham, died. And after some further bickering, Jesus says something that's kind of like a drop the mic situation. He's basically saying, you better listen here, I'm God. Listen here, pal. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That really put a spur on their side. Abraham waited but stayed faithful to God, will you? Jesus promises you eternal life, a change of heart from the pressures of this world to peace. Do you believe him? And he did it by dying on a cross, out of obedience to the Father and to the benefit of us. You see, I will end with this slide. Remember I mentioned Boyce Moten earlier, that brilliant gentleman? He memorized stuff on accident, how I wish I could memorize stuff on purpose. So here's the story of something he accidentally memorized. It's titled, Jesus Had a Little Pig. Or, excuse me, Mary Had a Little Pig. Mary had a little pig, and it was white as snow. That is when it had had a bath, as of course you might know. But Mary had an awful time to keep this piggy clean, for it was just the dirtiest pig that one has ever seen. She'd wash him, and she'd scrub him until he would squirm and squeal, as if he wanted her to know that it was an unfair deal. And then inside his green backyard, he'd play from morn to night. Unless he happened to sneak right out and lose himself from sight. And then when Mary found him, he'd be dirtier than ever before. So Mary'd get the soap again and scrub the pig some more. Poor Mary thought and wondered how much, how what she could she ever do. Until she figured out a plan, and this she carried through. She took him to a doctor, and he put the pig to sleep. And then he took his heart right out, but not, of course, to keep. And then he took a little lamb and took his heart out too and put it in the little pig before he ever knew. And then he, when the little piggy did awake, he had no more desire to wallow in the mud again or ever in the mire. When the little, and try as hard as e'er he could, he never understood how such a pig as once he was could ever be so good. And so you see, dear friends of mine, you need a new heart too, just like the little piggy did, the old will never do. But as Boyce was telling this story to a group of junior high boys, a smart little rascal in the back shouted to Boyce, Yeah, mister? Whatever happened to the lamb? (laughs) We don't have very many of those kids in our church, thank goodness. (laughs) And Boyce is sharp on his feet. And he said, Well, that is heavy too. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace... Was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, guys, if the redwoods in California can be called majestic, it's just a tree. If an old rotted tree in Israel can be sacred, if two elderly people can have a baby and an old rugged cross can symbolize Jesus' sacrifice to you, I hope you may remember. Don't let fear ruin your faith. Trust through the doubt. And wait, knowing that the promise to you of eternal life is made possible by nobody else rather than the Lamb of God, Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for that we get to learn from people who went through some doozy of stuff and that we get to learn to trust in you, that we shouldn't let fear ruin our faith, but trust through the doubt and wait. God, help us trust in your timing. Help us love and have a clear image of who your son is so we can be like him. In Jesus' name.